We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the very last... It's a sad day. The very last episode. No, it is not. (laughs) It is not a sad day. (laughs) Of Space 1999. The classic episode, The Dorkons. 2,409 days after the moon left Earth's orbit, Alpha encounters a strange probe in space, which paralyzes all the Alphans except Maya, who it singles out and subjects to excruciating pain. After the probe releases her and the others, the probe dissolves and is replaced by a Dorkon spacecraft. Maya is fatalistically paralyzed in panic. The Dorkons want her brainstem to make them immortal. There is nothing the Alphans can do against the greatest empire in the galaxy to protect her. The Dorkons and their council Varda want to make their leader, the Archon, immortal. The Archon's nephew and heir to the Archon's throne doesn't really want his uncle to be ruler forever. Koenig refuses to turn over Maya, and the Dorkons start blasting the crap out of Alpha. Some of the crew start to rebel, suggesting it might be better to give up Maya to save their lives. Koenig threatens to kill Maya rather than turn her over, and the Dorkons halt their attack. Next, they teleport a landing party down and simply take Maya. Koenig leaps into the teleport beam and follows them back to the Dorkon ship. There, Malik helps Koenig escape, but leads him astray so that he can get to and kill Archon before he is made immortal, blaming the crime on Koenig. Archon is killed, but in the confusion, Koenig and Maya escape into the ship. Confronted by Counselor Varda for the murder of the Archon, Koenig blames it on Malik, which Varda realizes is probably true. In a shootout with Malik, Varda is killed, but the antimatter engine is damaged. The Dorkons and their new Archon are killed in a massive explosion. Alpha sails off one last time into the, let's call it sunset. Their fate never to be revealed. So the Dorkons, the Dorkons, the final episode, the the swan song, the climax of series two as it builds to a crescendo of uh, something. Crescendo of, of something. Um, Dorkons. Mm-hmm. What did what did you think of the Dorkons? I oh I is it is it Dorkons? I'm sorry, I thought it was the Dork ones, or is it Space 1999? The Dorks. Wow, it's it's um, it's not really a great episode to go out on, is it? Well, it's it it it's uh it sucks. Let's just put it that way. It, it's stupid. Is it as bad as some of the ones we've had along the way? No, we've had some really dreadful ones. Um, but this one is just you know I I think there are different shades of bad. Uh, sometimes you can get something that at is least just, fifty. Well, yeah, uh, you can get something that is like insultingly awful. You know, like my forever naked Montague kind of, uh, or for you the imp kind of quality of story. I mean, that's just like just so dreadful. Oh my god, awful, bad. You know, your mind aches after it's over. This is just stupid. It doesn't it's make stupid. a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, it's a very pedestrian. There's nothing to this. I mean, my, my notes are like a few sentences because there's nothing for me to write on. It's this. It's it's void of any substance. Yeah, I mean the the basic story of 
political intrigue. The nephew doesn't want his, well, the heir doesn't want the king to go on and wants the power, but everybody can see he's a complete jerk. Right. And uh, we never kind of really get a good feel for whether the Archon really was a good ruler or not. No. Varda thinks he's not perfect, but... He's managed to keep peace in the government of, of their people and all the worlds. Yes, and when, it, when you're talking about an empire, that usually doesn't imply that you did that peacefully, right? An empire is sort of... Usually empire, yeah. Empire tends to have, yeah, as you described, there's, there seems to be a bad connotation attached to it. And that whole colonial thing, particularly if you're getting a show coming out of out of England and of Britain, yeah, where where they're they're the people who know about empire. Uh, <laughs> Apologies so. to our friends across the pond listening uh, to this no, episode right now. They are they they do know. I mean, that's, they're they're still living that one down in some parts of the world. So, um, yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty straight. It it is it, it's devoid of a lot of deep meaning i do actually have several bullet points hopefully we can tease something out of this oh knock yourself out i couldn't come up with any a lot of it's nitpicks but 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 they are okay so for example in no particular order they're just the order i came up with them as i was writing them down Mm -hmm. on the red alert at the beginning of this episode what does koenig order for the people and and the station Oh, der- oh well. Oh shoot! And I just watched it today. Me too. And that weapons? Just, okay, yeah, I guess that goes to show unnecessary how MCI- personnel. Yeah, to okay. the bunkers. All right, and all the surface eagles to the underground hangars. Now, don't know. Don't they normally in red alert bring the eagles up? Well, generally they're launch- up already. Yeah, they launch them ahead of time, and they're so all re- they're already alert, flying. They all went and hid <laughs> before there was any sign of. I wouldn't exactly say aggressive behavior, but, you know, it's completely different red alert behavior than it has been in every prior episode. And and I don't know why they did it, because it doesn't really do anything unless they just only had footage of the eagles being put down. And they said, well, we've got eagle put down footage, so uh, put the eagles down today. Somebody said, you couldn't run it backwards? No, can't do that. It's against union rules. I don't know. I also have to question the brilliance of Commander Koenig when, after everyone has been frozen, um, although they don't necessarily know it, and scanned, and Maya, the completely different life form than everything else on board Alpha, with a completely different biology and completely different everything, she's singled out. And then when they wake up, Koenig's thing is, why would they single out Maya? Because uh, she's different. Like that, that was just, wow, Koenig, uh, could it be that she's the metamorph? Could it be that she's the alien? Could it be that she's the smart one? Could it be that she's the attractive one? You know, and, I mean, there's yeah, a million reasons why you would single out Maya. Uh, yeah. And not, not like this hasn't happened before. Right. I mean, when, uh, there was the other alien race that had Dorzak in in their custody and they saw Maya and they immediately attacked is like okay so this is a race that automatically has something against all people that are from Psycon. so mm-hmm. gee it's logical to assume that there could be another race that has got a grief against them especially if it's got anything to do you know not not in the case of this particular episode but hey let's look at the kind of guy that mentor was i'm sure he yeah. made enemies 
Yeah, I don't I don't think the Psychons were necessarily a particularly nice race. No, they weren't. Even Maya admits that. So um yeah, you can yeah, you can kind of see that. Also, what is the um what was the point of the subterfuge, if if that's what it was, of the probe just being sitting out there in space? Um, and then once they'd identified a Psychon, suddenly it transforms into I assume it's a teleport relay. So do they just have these probes sitting all over space looking for a Psychon? I guess. Maybe they feel that if it's disguised as this teleport, that perhaps, you know, unwitting Psychons would just go traipsing by. La, 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 la. I've got nothing better to do. And, oh, isn't that a harmless ship? And, oh, I just got scanned. But if they recognize it as a Dorkon ship, they're going to turn away and run the, you know, go in the opposite direction. I, I guess. But you'd think that would work exactly once, and then the Psychons would know what a Dorkon probe ship looks like. Well, it could look like anything. I mean, they probably made up a design. It doesn't have to look like anything in particular, I'm guessing. So so could the ship. Probably. I mean, I, it just, it just well, you know, they wanted, narrative structure, yeah, I, I know, think it was I know. there to get the, well, it's, the surprise. They, they, well, they needed to, and I'm not excusing it by saying this, uh, the ship needed to reveal its true form in order for Maya to be able to go on this little exposition about the Dorkons and how awful they are and and that they're the most powerful race in the galaxy, etc., etc. That would only happen if she could recognize the ship. It's a bit of a... It's it's a cheat, I suppose, if you want to call it that. But that's the only reason why we had that. I mean, I'm sure there were other ways... You know, there, there are... There, in fact, there are a number of things in this episode... Reading, could Alpha, have been told we are the better. Dorkons. That would have been one of them. <laughs> and then have Maya just just you know, faint. crap her pants right yeah. there like she did on the on the or her skirt I suppose um, yeah it just maybe they had a spare spacecraft that uh, Brian Johnson was just itching to to use I I'm sorry I've got to contract two ships for this episode two ships all right Brian we'll work it into the contracts we'll work it into the show don't worry it's we don't care about the plot reason um, mm. so. Let's look at the let's look at the concept of an immortal Dorkon. And I assume they mean immortal. That not... is no, they were talking immortal. I mean, I based on the way uh Archon was describing it, who by the way was Patrick Troughton for anybody who might be curious, Doctor Who number two. Um, he kind of said, you know, when Maya was unconscious on the um, on the surgical bed, he said, "You know, we're both sentenced, or something to that effect. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're sentenced to die, and I'm sentenced to you know eternal life." Yeah. So let's let's think about that for a second. If the Dorkons have been hunting down the Psychons for long enough for Maya to be absolutely terrified of them, now if they were really doing it, you'd think they thought they would have gone to the planet Psychon and taken care of them there a while back. But that notwithstanding. Well, there is there, there's there is something, um, and it's never really mentioned. Where are the um, other immortals? Well, no, I was going to say there could be a little bit of retcon that could happen here. Now, is there anything even remotely familiar about what the Dorkons, you know, uh, their their um their power, their their ability to change the shape of things. Is there anything even the slightest bit familiar about that? Hmm? No. I mean... <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, right. Well, they weren't, they weren't surprised by Maya's ability to be a psychomorph. Uh, metamorph. metamorph. No. Now, keep in mind, um, there is a great possi- there's a possibility that 
part of mentor's plan in using the power of psyche to and and the power of shape change to you know not just rebuild their world but possibly to also act as a defense measure against any possible Dorcon incursion. Now, granted, I just really went way the heck out there on a limb mm-hmm. because I am assuming that the writers are actually thinking ahead of time, which we both know is rubbish. Absolutely not true. And, 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 and but it's a great idea if, they, if, if there was any kind of continuity. That would have been a, a great possible story point. But, yeah, we know that that's just nonsense, and I'm blowing smoke. Do you think, based on Maya's reaction, that the Dorkons have ever captured a Psycon before? Uh, it certainly sounds that way. And yet the Emperor of the Dorkons isn't immortal. He's not immortal, and apparently you have to earn it? Where are the other immortal? Okay, the first time you find out a Psycon can make you immortal... Okay, the scientist who did it, or the volunteer who did it, or whatever happens, it did it. Who is the next person in line for a psychon? Right. Uh, the richest, most powerful man on your planet. Mm-hmm. The Archon of the time. And he ought to still be the Archon then. Because yeah. he lives forever. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's like, it doesn't seem like anybody's immortal. They haven't been benefiting by this. Even the Emperor himself is not immortal. And... He doesn't seem all too thrilled with the idea, to be And he's honest. not thrilled with the idea. It's like, are, are you only doing it because Malik's such an awful heir? I mean, if you don't want to live forever, great. I can see why you wouldn't. Um, why don't you just kill Malik? I mean, if you're willing to kill a Sykin for your, your immortality, then surely, for the benefit of the Empire, you're willing to kill a slimy little toad like Malik. Your own nephew. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm heck. We well, I'll, I'll say this: um, Archon, at least, despite the fact that they are uh, the Dorkons are a conquering race, and and somehow I guess the uh, acquiring of Maya is the justification, you know, uh, or the what I'm looking for, um, um, you know, the, the ends justifying the means kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come off as just this evil tyrant at the same time you know we've i've i, I could think back to history and think of you know of rulers uh in in our world's history that have easily you know offed off their own their own uh, younger family members um if there was any kind of threat to their power base mm-hmm. but those guys were creeps well i guess if we're trying to work on the assumption that the archon is a a decent guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he is the nicest of the th- the big three that we meet. Is he? Well, he seems because to be that way. When Koenig when when Koenig is on the ship and he oh, that's walks true. In, he says, kill, kill, "Kill him." Yeah, that's true. He and does she say. says, "No, no, I promised him." Oh, well, okay, whatever. okay, I take that back. You're right. Okay, so he's sort of on the same level as her. Yeah. Two of them are might have some honor, but at the same time, the ends justify the means. Yeah, and that's always. The road to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Malik. I don't know the name of the actor. Oh, um, God, he's familiar. He is familiar. I think it's those wild buggy eyes, but I'm not sure if that's just because he was acting so hard that his eyes were being pushed out by the pressure inside <laughs> his head. Uh, he was over the top. Oh, ye- please. I mean, what a drama queen. If if he had taken a cape up and pulled it over his face as he walked, it would have you know in the arm it would have been consistent with with that turn of acting. It was 
bad. Well, Malik <laughs> was played by Jerry Sunquist. Nope. Um, uh, he's professionally known as Jerry's, um, just, just some, just some actor, uh, and his, his, from what I can tell, the most recent thing he's done is in 1992. Oh, he died in 93, that'd be why. That would be why. Yeah, he, yeah, he died at the age of 37. Wow, okay. That doesn't sound promising. No. Uh... He probably had a stroke. Oh, no, he committed, oh, okay, um, I'm going to hell. See, he committed suicide. <clears throat> Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, uh, at least he didn't hear my criticism of his acting before he. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. The, it could have been the reviews. I don't know. Um, rest in peace. Yeah, Malik, we're we're Archon we're Malik. sorry, Jerry Sunquist. Uh, you know, please accept our apologies. We feel badly about it now. Posthumously, we do. <laughs> Yeah, um, not enough. I'm gonna edit it out, but I feel <laughs> guilty enough about it. Yeah, it, let's let's just let the guilt stay on the recording. We'll just right there. That way, you'll know it's sincere. Yeah. Um, but I have to. I have to bring up the one scene when they've blown up the antimatter. Oh yeah, and the ship's I gonna am blow. The Archon, obey, Me. obey. I am the Archon. It's like, is it? It's not Siri. It's not. <laughs> It's not going to listen to you. No, he's just mental. The, char- the character's insane. Yeah. It wasn't clear that he was insane up till that point. No, but I think... Maybe just, he just cracked up at that point because he saw it. Isn't that He was a, on the precipice of being nuts. I think when he killed his uncle, that probably was his... It could have been. Isn't that sort of the Macbethian <laughs> sort of... Once you've done that, it's the, the path to the end. Oh, out damn yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you notice that it's had a lot of reused sets? When is the show not? I don't know. It was more more noticeable to me on this one. Like, the Archon's uh, throne room was um, like from Collision Course, mm. I think. There was where, a lot um, of familiarity. I think the Red Halls were the same as on Sycon and a couple of other places. It was, I think they may have been running low on budget towards the end of the episode. Towards the end of the, the, end series, of the series run. Yeah. Uh, touched on it earlier. Was was Maya's fatalism in character? No, it didn't seem in character. And that's something I noticed from the very first time I ever watched this. I mean, th- I think this is the third time I've seen this episode. And the first time, her reaction just felt very beyond the pale for me. Like, th- yeah. th- there's absolutely no hope whatsoever. You can't give me up. You can't win. You don't have the means. Okay, now granted, yes, the Dorcons were enormously powerful. Not going to argue that. But her, the way she was just willing to throw in the towel right off the bat seemed a bit extreme, I thought. She also wasn't willing to carry through with her own intentions. Um, You know, promise me... You won't let them take me alive. Helena, kill me. Um, there was a solution to that by your own hand. Yeah. If you were really sincere about that. Yeah. Just blow don't your make own your head friends off. kill you. Oh no, no. Just just blow your own head off. And if it were truly, truly fatalistic, there is no hope. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing we can do. There is no chance to save me. And they will take my brainstem, make some undeserving Dorcon immortal, and I'll live as a husk, which is a problematic idea, too. Um, I, yeah, it seems like Maya should have been a little more... I don't want to push forward the idea that a character ought to be pushing for their own 
suicide. Well, you but no, no, I, I, but, but I understand what you're saying. But to uh, all of a sudden put your friends in that position is, and they were dying. Yeah, it, it, to me, just it that was uh, that was something I had a very hard time accepting. Right, and also that Maya was not willing. She didn't seem to be willing to go either. Right, and I'm and I'm not saying she'd want to go. Obviously, she wouldn't want to go. But don't we expect our heroic characters to be willing to sacrifice their lives to save their friends? Yeah, they would be willing to. And she wasn't quite. She wasn't. No, she, she wasn't there on that. Because I'm sure she could have just, you know, said something. But at the, the same, cons, yeah. Like, but at I'm the same time, go. you know, she wants to. Now she, yeah, she, yes, we we expect the friends to want to save her. There is that thing that is reciprocal about her wanting to save her friends and i think we've seen something like that um in a past episode uh where each one was you know and i i i seem to remember something between maya and koenig where each one was willing to give up their life for the other and it was like some kind of test Mm, there was brian the brain that was koenig and helena though was it koenig and helena yeah they had to give up their air Okay, that was it. Yes, yes, that's the one. He was Koenig and Helena. You're right. So we've seen that there is absolutely no problem with someone wanting to give up their life for the other. And even and Maya at one point does say, "Surrender me. Give me mm-hmm. up. They they will kill you." And you know, and then of course she then changes her tune to say, you know, and then puts it on Helena to have have her have Helena shoot Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, all again. This way, you know, my coming to some wild conclusion that this is the ultimate FU to the Dorcons by robbing them of what they want. But I don't agree with her logic that they'll just go away because I could I could seriously see uh, the Dorcons um, getting just really pissed off and saying, yeah. oh, really, you're going to play that? Fine. Two can play that game and then just completely blow, you know, the moon Alpha. out of the space. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't picture them being particularly um, forgiving people. No. Yeah. It, it, it just, it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't fit with Maya's character. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, or perhaps it just wasn't, the Dorcons weren't convincingly horrific enough at the, I mean, yes, it's a terrible fate. And why doesn't it just kill them? Oh, you're going to take my brainstem and I'm going to be a husk for a the husk? rest of my life. Yeah. That's a weird thing. I don't, I don't get that. I mean, do they I, mean a conscious husk? No. Is that why it's so horrible? No, it's I, I the, think it's going to well, co- something comparable to what Psyche was doing to anybody who got hooked up to it in the beginning of the season 2. Okay, then. So then that in a way, that's just death. Zombies. Yeah. Brain dead. But why would but why wouldn't the the Dorcons just out of mercy euthanize them? Yeah. Good at question. Point. At that point, might as well just kill the body. I don't know. Makes no sense. It, and so clearly, yeah, the Dorcons are savage in that respect, that they're just going to leave the husk like that. It's like, well, we just don't care. And apparently they, it seems that they do have very little care for other life. I mean, they were willing to just completely kill everybody on the moon. They didn't care whatsoever as long as they got what they wanted. So other life forms, and, and as you pointed out, Archon was like, you know, when he sees Koenig, oh, kill him. So other life forms hold little value to them. I, I think that's inherent in the definition of that being an empire. Right. And you in know, the case of... Just, we've beat, in, the, beat the inferior yeah. races down and... Right. And in the case of Maya, they're just leaving her as a husk because 
to now go the extra step and kill her. Eh, it's just a waste of time. And, you know, it's 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 meaningless. Who cares? So what? There was a point in this episode that they might, just for a moment, they might have made an interesting subject. Oh? They've never, they've never succeeded on Space 1999 in the past. And they gave it the point. It's like... No, we're not gonna give her up. All right, then we're gonna we're gonna beat you up and kill you. Um, but does I forgot what her wording was? But does everyone feel that way? Mm. And then we get you know we we get after can't remember the guy's name, but the bald guy. Yeah. Um, he that very cliched scene. He's he's out there trying to rescue somebody who the roof's fallen in and killed and and he can't get to the guy and so he he pulls away from the wreckage and he runs to the uh, command center and we got to give him to her commander. You know, this is almost an Alan Carter kind of fury moment except Alan wouldn't do that. And it 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 just there is a there is room for exploring the, you know, at what point do you actually look at it and go we just, we have to give up Maya. There's nothing we can do. Is it, is it indeed worth all of us dying just so they can't have her? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. And it's interesting in the context of Alpha because you know John Koenig does not brook anyone having a different opinion. Oh, that's true. Than his. And his will be not particularly reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's he is going to take the... The hero position, we're not going to give her up, even though he does. I I don't think he gives, he doesn't give her up like, all right, we'll turn her over because they've obviously just come down and taken her without any option for him to do anything about it. But, right. You know, what do other people on Alpha think that don't work with Maya day in and day out? And are they right? You know, if if, if they held a vote, what would happen? Um, and and is that is that an ethical thing to do? What is, What are the ethics of... We turn one person over or we all die. Not, in a, you know, in a TV show. Well, this is obviously a TV show, but I mean, in a typical TV show, no, we'll never do that. No, but I have seen, um, I, I, I remember years ago uh, watching a remake of War of the Worlds uh, for in, in the movie house. And this, this kind is the Tom Cruise Yeah, it's a Tom one? Cruise one, yeah. I haven't seen it, but all uh, right. You're, you're lucky. But there's, I, <laughs> well, I, I seem to remember there was a scene very similar to that where... Uh, the aliens, the, the Martians, for lack of a better term, you know, they want these. They want a certain number of a, uh, humans for their own nefarious purposes, and but but they're kind of penned up with uh, another, you know, big community group of people. And the whole question then becomes: What do you do when survival instinct kicks in, and you see that played out? How everybody just starts to react so um, mm, well. I don't want to say awful. Awful. I, I, I don't want to say awful because it is an instinct um, that that need for self-preservation, especially when it's just foisted upon you so rapidly and you really haven't had time to rationalize it, to think about it, to make a legitimate judgment call on it. I mean, this really happened to to Alpha in the in the span of just minutes. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have a chance to adapt uh, to the entire situation as it was unfolding. So. And I'm not saying that they're right. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that I understand why they, why some of them would react the way they did. As for the ethics, you know, I, I remember this being brought up in humanities class once, and it created one hell of a debate, to, to, be, to be honest. Well, you, know, uh, you and I have both 
uh, expressed, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but expo- expressed a preference for science fiction that's hopeful as opposed to science fiction that's that's black and... Oh, and, yes. Right? And this... This is taking a key right out of the blackest of the black. The, the, the War of the Worlds scenario that you described is basically post-apocalyptic. Any yeah. kind of post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse, whatever it is. If you've been in it for a while, all of those stories inevitably lead to how cruddy mankind mm. can be yeah. when he's in his... In his worst. Yeah. In his worst. Yeah. And... Yeah, can I wouldn't exactly say justify it, but you can sort of justify it if that's what it takes to eat and live, and all the rules have been thrown out the door, right? Civilizations collapsed. The you have to rebuild your societies from ground up again, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what was interesting about the Roddenberry Pax stories. But if there was anything to be said for those in the stories, but it, you know, it's that kind of the hope springs up again but here you as you say we haven't reached that point yet alpha is still operating under its rules of civilization yeah and i mean granted they're given given a little bit of time to actually discuss it without having lost having had their humanity ripped away from them yet would have been interesting yeah now granted um the way the attack was being presented i will say that it was the worst looking case of destruction we've seen alpha suffer from I agree. It did look bad. So it, it is. It, so it is possible that you know all things being equal, in the the way we've seen um, attacks on Alpha throughout this entire series, and this indeed being the worst, I could sort of again understand how, in the heat of the moment, when it's you know no one has expected an attack of this scale, uh, for everybody to all of a sudden just completely freak and say, "Turn her over." Well, the one guy that came rushing on board the bridge had just seen his friend die in front of him. Yeah, he's a little weirded out. Right? I mean, that is that is just like, ah, ah, we can't have that, ah, you know, run off and, and do the thing. Now, the other guy that was on the command deck who, who then backs him up and says, yeah, you're right. We should turn her over. And Tony just decks, decks him. him. I loved that scene. It was good. It's good. Now, minutes later, the Dorcons arrive on Alpha. And what happens? The guy that Tony Deck gets up with a weapon to shoot him. Yeah. And gets maybe killed? Uh, I wasn't sure. I thought he was stunned, but I could be wrong. I have no idea. Well, I thought he was killed to begin with. But then when they did the same thing to Tony, and we know Tony didn't die. Right. So maybe it was a stun gun. I'm thinking um, they were stunned. But at this point, Maya is quote unquote hiding. Mm-hmm. Why, didn't, uh, why didn't the first guy that came barreling in saying, we have to turn her over. Why didn't he just, just he point. was standing right there, point and go, there she is. That one. Yeah, a little, yeah, more uh, character inconsistency there. Unless he was really afraid what Tony would do to him at that point. Or Koenig. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, Koenig just put a gun to her head. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Koenig did that. Tony decked me. Um, if I point out Maya, well, they'll, who knows, Helena will castrate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if you went in for tonsils to be removed, Helena might castrate you yeah. based on her surgical acumen. Oh, that's uh, true. I mean, God help you. If you have to have an appendectomy, I mean, she'll do it by way of her elbow. You know, but yeah. what, what can you expect? She can't see out of those eyes. That face is so pulled back. <gasps> oh, Ooh! you got it. There oh. it is. <laughs> I think I think every episode. Every episode. I think, I think we've done it every episode. Every episode. You've done it. You. Yeah. I've managed to pull it out. 
You've stretched this joke I've pretty tight. It. Yeah, it's it's just really tight. It, it it just it just cannot be pulled back any further. No, not a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry, Barbara Bain. I love you. I really do. But you have no face. There was a line in the episode. I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. I wish it had had more resonance in the story, but but I loved it. Antimatter. Nature's own demon cage. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Got to <laughs> it's like, well, I'm very impressed with you people. You know, all right. Uh, I, as soon as she said that, it was, oh, yeah, matter-antimatter explosion is happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know, um, how, we know how this series likes to treat antimatter. Yeah. I only have one thing left. I've just reached my Patrick Troughton note, and you've already brought that up. So I have one last thing. Was there a plot reason, or any good reason, why when Koenig took the vent off and got up there, he bandaged his hands? And I assume that he cut them. That's what I was thinking, because he seemed to make a bad face as he was trying to pull it that the wiring was cutting into his fingers. Yep, yep. Um, And then... Uh, he goes, he wraps bandages around his hands up in the vent, and then he goes about his business without making the slightest, uh, inconvenience or having his hands bandaged up, right? Everything he does from that point on, he does just as he normally would. There's no, oh darn, I have to swing across this rope, but my hands are cut up. Mm. That's going to be a problem. None of that. And then we get to Alpha and then Helena goes, oh, let me bandage up those hands. Right. Why did they do it? Well, why was that unnecessary piece of it, detail it, included it, it, in this story? It was unnecessary because it actually, yeah, it had no bearing at all with how the story played out. None. It was it was yeah, entirely I, irrelevant. I thought it was going to make you know for an extra challenge on Koenig's part, but I it never it never materialized. No, it, it never so. got to that point. So I don't know why it was there. I thought it was a little peculiar. I expected there to be more. Um, some kind of uh, fallout as a result to Koenig hurting his hand that maybe it would delay him, you know, and then we'd see the result of him being delayed in getting into Rescue Maya, but none of it played out that way. Not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm disappointed. Um, I, I am disappointed in, I, I don't like, you know, I, we've, we've discussed this before. I don't really particularly care about some big earth-shattering climax cliffhanger series ending episode. But I will say that Testament of Arcadia, for the final episode of the first season of Space 1999, it wasn't like it was an earth-shaking or, or anything. In a way, it wasn't particularly different from any other episode of season one, Space 1999. But at the same time, it introduced a, a big piece of mythos to it that that did kind of make it feel like a logical end mm-hmm. to the story. Right. Here we just go out with a whimper. Here we just, this is just another bog standard episode that doesn't have any, any bearing. Um, the, the bits where you, where you mentioned that it looked like a really bad attack. And I agree, it did look like a really bad attack. But Koenig in the end scene says to Tony, apparently minutes after they've come back from the planet, he says, uh, how are repairs going? Oh, repairs are well in hand. Well in hand. John. 
It, it yeah, I, that to and me, he's just like, sitting there picking around on the little circuit board, like mm, whatever. Yeah. It, well, the way he said it, there was something almost flippant about it, you know, or or it's totally lackadaisical. Uh, everything's under control. He's like, man, you guys Nobody just got can... blasted, you know, into atoms. What are you? You can't just you know blow this off like that. Yeah, it was it was very very strange, and like I say, it must have taken place. Within minutes of them coming back from the Dorkon ship. Because Koenig's hands are still bandaged and the right. doctor hasn't done anything about it. Right. She hasn't had a chance yet. You know, if his hands had been... If they changed out those dressings and he had proper bandages on there, you could go, oh, maybe this is the next day after they've been released from sickbay or, or whatever. And they've had a little time to work on the base. But the reality is, I don't know how long he was on the ship, but an hour? Two? Ooh, gosh. We, we don't know. I mean, we know that Maya had to go through some sort of uh, pre-op or some sort of surgical preparation that needed to be done before the brainstem could be transferred, but... We don't know how long that was. We have no idea how long that took. Koenig was unconscious. We don't know how long right. for. But I just got the feeling that we're, not, we're talking hours at most that they were on this ship. At most. At most. So they go back to, and yeah, repairs are in hand. What were they doing? When John Koenig jumped into that teleport beam and went to the Torcon ship, what was Alpha doing during that time? I don't know what to do. Uh, get well, the we'll repair just here. crews going. Yeah, I, mean, oh, I, guess, I suppose. I get, no, I, I, we need John's approval before we can actually start doing repairs. I can't sign off on this. Yeah. Uh, we need John. Yeah. If I thought Koenig yeah. was dead, then yeah, I suppose we could do that. But no, we know he's alive. So no, I, I can't make any decisions <laughs> until until he comes uh. back. Well, actually, there was a scene. You didn't get to see it. But Tony was over by the computer, and he was going, Obey! Obey! I am the commander! Uh-huh. I am the commander! Ah. And the computer wasn't paying any attention to him either. Is that it? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's it. Space 1999. Or at least that's it for the episodes of Space 1999. For the I've been episode, thinking about this Because there for a while. is that little short that is available on YouTube. Yeah. So this, uh, what, what we're going to do is um, we're going to look at, is it Message from Moonbase Alpha? I think that's what it's called. I think it's called Message from Moonbase Alpha. It was done at a convention a few years after Space 1999, uh, and it kind of supposedly tied up some of the loose ends of the series. And you've never seen that, correct? Oh, I, I did watch it. Oh, you did watch, I watch it? Yes, I did. We... I did see it. Okay, well, we'll we will do that, and then we will also do a, um, in the case of Space 1999, I feel like we ought to do a, a sort of a series ending episode where we look back at series one and series two, compare and contrast, uh, that kind of thing. So okay. it'll be a little bit of a special episode. We'll do that for the next, before we move on to the next uh, next series in the never ending train of bad science fiction. Mm, <laughs> yay. That's, that's out there. And maybe we'll have even figured out what the next series will be. I'm terrified. <laughs> uh all right well ben thank you for joining me for this almost finally totally complete voyage through space 1999 and before it ufo which is its spiritual predecessor i mean we have we have really pushed through the jerry anderson world here yeah 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 we have it's and it's it's been agonizing 
bits of it definitely have been. Yeah, not not all of it. I mean, there were some, you know, not not to tip my hand too soon, but, you know, anybody who listened back to uh, our coverage of UFO, I mean, I think we both found episodes here and there that we liked, as well as early episodes of Space 1999 that we didn't hate. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's been on tip the hand, but yeah, I think I think we'll have uh, I think we'll do that in a slightly different format. But I'll I'll we'll surprise the listeners with that uh, at the time. Anyway, thank you, Ben. Oh, my pleasure. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Don't be a dork. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. There, Malik help, helps. There, Malik hope. Wow, the word help is tough today. Confronted by. Wow. Sorry, autocorrect really got that one. It says confronted by acoustic set Varda. Wow. Whew.